Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. I feel like after Jesse's message on water, I should just pray and dismiss us. <laughs> We're good for the day. Um, but I'm still going to beat you, Jesse. <laughs> I will win. <laughs> oh, man, we are starting a, a three-week series on Jonah. Uh, many of you are familiar with this story, maybe because you went to church when you were young or you've just heard about it, and most of you are familiar with it because you say Jonah and the whale. I hate that. It's not even a whale in the Bible. I'm just going to say that right now. And uh, so these three weeks, we're going to spend time kind of digging in and digesting that and, and looking at this story in a new and fresh way. And I have the privilege this weekend of kicking it off with the first chapter and sharing with you. And next weekend, I'm super excited because our new family pastor, Rocky Kim, he's going to be sharing with us um, from the next chapter. And uh, that's pretty cool. But even uh, cooler than that, what I think is just really rad is that most of you don't know we have a student-led worship team over there that plays each weekend for the students, and they are killer. And so they're going to come and lead worship for us next week with Jesse. So I'm stoked. You guys got to be like rocking the house for them. They kill it. So next week, it's on. Then the third week, um, Pastor Jesse is going to be finishing up Jonah for us. He's been giving the message. I'm just excited because you guys get to see why he usually plays the guitar. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, I set myself up so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. I'm going to be sitting in the front taking notes. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, <laughs> so we're talking about Jonah, and um, it's just kind of the craziest, most nonsensical story in the Bible. I mean, for most people. And that's what's happened for a lot of us, or most of us as adults. We've just kind of schluffed it off to the side because we don't understand it, or it's just right in the middle of it, we all know what happens, Right? A guy goes into the belly of a whale for three days and then gets spit up. And we're like, no, that's like a kid's story. And so we've left it for the flannel boards and the children to be like, wow, look at this crazy story about a whale. And he eats a person, he spits him up, and it's, it's Jonah and the whale. It's so awesome. And we've just kind of let it be. And there's lots of stories about this. And is it possible? There's even a story from 1891 that's been debated for the last 122 years that's in logbooks about the modern-day Jonah, a guy named Johnny fell into the mouth of a whale and survived for 30 hours. Uh, and they cut it open, and his skin was bleached, and he was still alive, woke up after days being in a coma, and that's been debated on whether or not it's happened. But we look at this, this idea of a person living and uh, surviving in the belly of a whale, and what we do is because we know it's coming, we just throw the rest of the story off to the side. It's just... It's ridiculous. And so I want to dismiss a couple things as we enter into these next couple weeks um, and these ideas. And the first one is, this is not a children's story. It was never written for children. There's not even mention of children in it, except for briefly, maybe at the end, in a people group. The next thing that I want us to focus on and take note of is in 2 Kings 14.25, we're introduced to Jonah that he is a powerful, important prophet of the Lord. And prophets are people that God used uh, to get his message out. He spoke through them and to deliver messages about what was happening and where it was going and how he was moving. We also more importantly then see in the New Testament, Jesus himself 
in Matthew 12 and Luke 11 mentions him. People come up to him and say, hey, Jesus, show us a sign from heaven. You know, show us something that's really awesome, that this is all really happening. And he tells them, you're not going to get one from me because you've already had one from Jonah. Just as he survived and lived uh, through three days in the belly of the well and then came out again, so will I. So I sit there and say, well, if Jesus believes that this really happened, I don't have much of a choice not to. And if I believe that the, the Bible and the other things that happen and miracles can happen and God can do what God can do because he decided he's going to do it, that is true. So where I want to sit for the next three weeks with you is to ask you, will, will you as an adult re-listen, re-read, and try to re-understand this story with an adult mind um, and be open for this story that's so powerful that Jesus recognizes and God recognizes is important for us. Can we do that? So uh, the first thing, it starts off, I mean, it just starts off crazy. Um, Jonah heard from God. <laughs> that's, that's like kind of nuts in itself. He heard from God. There's maybe many of you that came here today begging to hear from God. I just need to hear from God. I'm going to go to church, and maybe it'll happen. Maybe I'll hear from God. I know this week, I actually spent um, some very vulnerable moments begging God, God, I just need to hear from you this week about something that's going on. Jonah heard from God, and not only did he hear from God, he understood what he said. He heard God, and he understood what he was saying. He didn't just hear something and be like, wait, what was that? I don't, I don't quite understand. Could you just speak a little bit more clearly about this situation? He heard God understand it. And the third thing he did was that caused him to move. It caused him to react and gave him some type of action. We see it starts in the beginning of Jonah. If you want to find it on your own, good luck. It's very difficult to find. It's stuck in the between a bunch of little books of names you won't even understand and remember. But if you go to the New Testament and go backwards a little bit, you might find it. Easiest way. Uh, just go into uh, your smart device and type in Jonah, and it'll <laughs> pop up. Or you're allowed to do this. It's in the Bible on purpose. But in the front, there's like a, it says Jonah. This is the page number. You're allowed to do that. So go ahead. Get there with me. If you're just not interested in either of those, I put it on the screen. Okay. <laughs> Jonah 1. The uh, word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now we see that uh, Jonah heard from the Lord. He understood what he was saying, and it caused him to action. He began to move. And he began to move a lot. He, 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 he ran away from the Lord, he said. See, what happened was, is he said, go to Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Nineveh was a part of the Assyrian uh, uh, group of people. It was the largest people group known at that time, 120,000 people, and it just, that's as far as they kind of knew things. And it was a, a, a people group in an area, in a city, filled with debauchery and just immorality. Uh, they were very into also just politics. They would go and they would um, kidnap people from uh, other uh, areas and tribes and take them there to uh, make them slaves, to do their buildings and 
Um, they would also torture. Uh, their nemesis was, was God's people, was Israel there. They would take them. They would t- if they ever went around that area or cast in that area, they would torture them like in the worst humane ways of things you can think of. I mean, they would peel their skin off. I mean, if you can think of the worst things you could do to another human being, that was them. And they were barbaric in the way that they did it. Now, Jonah is being asked to go in there into the city and say, hey, um, God uh, doesn't like this. And so there's two thoughts here. Jonah ran from the Lord. Well, why did he run? One thought is it's literally like modern day taking a Christian from California and saying, hey, God's asking you to go into Syria and um, go meet the leaders and preach against ISIS. Good, good luck, right? We kind of know that's, that's literally what this picture looks like. So maybe he ran because he thought this wasn't going to be a successful trip. Hey, uh, God, that's not a good idea. I know what happens when you go in there, and you're asking me to go in there and lay the smack down, and um, they're going to lay it down on me, and I don't want that. So I'm going to go the opposite direction. Or maybe he ran because he actually thought it was going to be successful. And what he wanted was justice. And so he didn't want to go there because he knew who God was and what God did and can do, and he didn't want him to do it. And said, I don't want anything to do with that. I want justice for those people. So he ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went west when God wanted him to go east. He went far west. Here's a map I have to show you. He first, from where he lived, had to travel 50 miles west to go to Joppa, then wanted to head uh, on a boat 2,500 miles the other way. Like he was, he was gone. He was out. I'm getting as far away on the other side of this if the, and that was as far literally at that time as they thought that that was the end of the world. I need to be on the other side of things, away from this. And so, because uh, I could hear you, I understood you, and I am moving the other way. Thank you. Like, we sometimes think that about God, too. Like, that was a great idea, but my idea is different. <laughs> so now he's on the boat, says in verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to their own God. And they threw his car, their cargo into the sea and to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell asleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep right now? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us and that we will not perish. Notice that uh, in these few verses, the only one not praying is Jonah. Everybody else is calling on their God. See, these are like seasoned sailors. They're going on a long trip. Their job is to take care of the merchandise, the cargo that's on the boat. That's their livelihood. They have to get it there. That's how they survive. They said, we're going to protect this and get it from one place to another. That's what they do. And this storm has got to be radical. I mean, for them to start tossing cargo over, that's last minute stuff. That's the like antithesis of, 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 a boating trip like this. They weren't just going out for a joy ride. It was to get these things to another place. So they are at the end of their rope. They're at the end. And Jonah's downstairs sleeping. They are all crying out to their own God saying, 
We're going to die. We're losing our, everything that we have, uh, and we're not going to survive this. And the first thing I want you to take away from today's first chapter is this. Sometimes when we are frustrated with God, we go to sleep on him. Sometimes when we're frustrated with God, we go to sleep on him. We stop turning in prayer requests. We stop reading the Bible. We stop just talking to him. We stop talking about him with our friends. We run the other direction. You know, right here, Jonah, he was frustrated. He was upset. I think he wanted justice and he knew who God was. And so he turned him off. He said, I'm going to sleep on you. I don't want to be a part of this right now. And we do the same thing in our lives. When we get upset or confused or hurt, and we just go to sleep on them. Verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. This was a rolling of the dice. It was a thing they did back then. And I think that God uses their funny, goofy little thing just to prove his point a little extra. And he says, they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. It said, hey, uh, sleepy over there. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us, Jonah? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? So he gave him a pretty straightforward answer. Pick me up and throw me in, he replied, and it'll become calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, most people this moment were like, wow, Jonah had kind of like a soft moment, and he was very heroic and said, I'm going to sacrifice myself. This is my fault. I'm raising my hand. Uh, my God is the Lord, and uh, he's over the sea and the land. So my bad, my fault, just throw me in, and it'll calm down. It wasn't heroic at all. There was nothing heroic about that. If he wanted to save someone, he would have gone to Nineveh. If he wanted to be heroic and he wanted to do good in this moment, he would have dropped to his knees and called on the God in that moment, repented. It would have calmed down and said, all right, take me back, guys. This is for reals. No, no, no. He was done. He was asleep on him and then said, I am done. And he was done with who? Himself. He was done with himself. I would rather die. I'm so done with this. And what uh, the second thing I want us to grasp from this is that our disobedience can affect everyone in the boat. Man, so many times we forget that. Our disobedience and the choices we make can affect everyone else in the boat. I know this because I have, um, right now I have four subhumans rubbing, <laughs> running around my house. The responsibility of that, the decisions that I make in my life, in the, whether I'm obedient or disobedient in certain circumstances, affect them greatly. And the way they grow up. If you, if you were a, uh, a parent in here, please recognize that. It, um, it affects everyone in the boat. You know, situations where 
someone has made a, a vow of loyalty to you and breaks that, it affects everyone in the boat. Disobedience in your finances and your relationships and your, with your children and your, in your neighborhood, at your work, can affect everyone in the boat. So it continues on. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, hey, what, what should we do to calm the sea, da- the sea down? It says, here's your answer. Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it'll become calm. I know it's my fault, and this great storm has come upon us. Verse 13, instead, circle, highlight, put arrows to that. Um, how many of you in here are insteaders? I'm an insteader. Like we get an answer and it's like super clear, like, hey, this is what you should do. This is uh, how you win or this is the solution. And we go, well, instead, right? It's like it's right here. Guys, you want the storm to calm down? Throw me in. My fault. Throw me in there. And they went, um, hold on. The men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the man greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Man, how many of us do that in our life where we're in a situation where we know someone needs to get off the boat. And we say, ah, I'm just going to work a little harder. Guys, you want to work a little harder? We'll make this happen because that just seems extreme. I mean, we've put a lot of time into this person or we've put a lot of effort into this thing in our life. I did, we just work harder. And then what happens? They worked harder, and they started rowing back, and they're rowing, and it's just getting rougher, and then they're going, God, we said we weren't going to kill him. We weren't going to kill him, but uh, now we're going to kill him. He's dead. (laughs) He's gone. I'm sorry. God, this was your plan. This was your idea. Don't put that on me. When I go see you, I did not do this. You are doing as you pleased, uh, because it's crazy out here, and we're all going to die if you don't die, so uh, he's done, Right? And we're so willing to work harder when sometimes, friend, there's like this divine opportunity to let somebody off the boat. And if you keep them on the ship too long, they just end up causing destruction in your life and people's life. And sometimes we got to let people go. Somebody needs to hear that. Sometimes... You need to let people go. Sometimes out of this uh, sense of righteousness or holiness or loyalty, we're not willing to do that. But you need to let them go. I'm about to sing the song forever. Let them go, let them go. (laughs) Don't let them on the boat no more. (laughs) It's done. Now it's sunk. You're never going to sing that song again. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Sometimes when people leave, we like freak out, right? Because we feel like this, our sense of um, identity 
is connected to that person. But sometimes you got to let people go. Sometimes you got to let people, like, stuff go. Do you see what happens when they threw him over? You see what happens? The, the sea calmed down, right? And the ship got saved. Everyone on the ship got saved because they let something go in their life. Everybody, everybody got saved. And it was that easy. They got down on their knees. They looked up and said, Jesus, God, Lord, uh, we're, we're yours. I'm making vows to you. We're doing sacrifices. I am with you for the rest of life. You are God. And they experienced deliverance because they let people go. Maybe, friends, your storm right now in your life is because you're holding people. You're holding on to stuff. You're holding on to people that you should really let go. And the third thing I want you to take away from this is your deliverance might be tied to your ability to let go. And then crazy happened. <laughs> this is going to be Rocky's week. This is the last verse of chapter one, and I'm excited to hear that. But can you just mentally uh, go there with me, this image? I think it's the funniest thing probably in the Bible. I can just imagine now, right? They've thrown dude over. He's floating and bobbing, upset. He knew it was going to calm down, and it did. And they're like saying, yes, God, oh my goodness, I'm yours, I'm yours forever. And they're like looking over probably at him going, dude, it worked. That is God, no joke, for real. Uh, that was great. We cannot let you back on the boat uh, because that worked. And they're probably talking to him. And in the middle of talking to him, he's like, yeah, no, I just want to die. Right then. <laughs> Like mentally, I picture, hey, man, that was crazy work. We can't let you back out. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll send somebody else for you. That was a bad storm. Bloop, where'd he go? <laughs> That's so good. Oh, my goodness, just bubbles. Damien, did you see that? We got to go. <laughs> uh, Rocky, good luck with that. That's going to be great. <laughs> your deliverance is tied to your ability to let go, friends. What I want us to see in the beautiful start to this story is that uh, God's grand redemptive narrative works even uh, in the moments where you're not interested. Jonah was uninterested in having a redemptive moment with the people on this ship, with himself, and with the people that were far off and beyond. And God still saved people and used it for his good and his glory and his lessons. Man, what a start to Jonah. Will you bow your heads? There's um, some of you in here today that I believe you, uh, you know it. You're, you're sleeping on God. You're running to your own Tarshish. You're going the other direction. Whether it's you're frustrated, um, you're hurt. You're just lost again right now. You're asleep on them. And today is that day that you need to wake up. Because um, he's standing there, right there, waiting for you to. Just like in this story, he didn't leave. 
He didn't wait in a far off place. He was there. Jonah thought he could run away from God, and what he didn't realize is God is everywhere. He is with you. Someone here today is sleeping on him. It's time to wake up and come back to him. There might be um, someone here today that's making some bad choices, that's being disobedient, and it's affecting other people's on your boat. And you know it. Even though you keep telling yourself, no, this is just me. It's just my decisions. It's just what I'm doing. It's only going to affect me, but it's affecting everybody else on the boat. Your storm is their storm. And maybe today, for some of you, this is going to be an act of repentance. Of turning back to, saying, God, I'm, I'm making some bad decisions. I'm being disobedient, and I need, to, I need to fix that. I need to repent. I need to say it. I need to stop it because it's hurting other people. It's affecting everyone on the boat. And someone in here today needs to let somebody go or needs to let something go, some stuff, something that's holding on to you, that's keeping you from deliverance. It's waiting for you. You just got to let it go. If one of those uh, three things describe you, or maybe even a fourth, if you're just like, hey, I need to hear from God, <laughs> Jonah heard from him, I want to pray for you this week. I want to pray for you right now in this moment, as some of you are in a moment of repentance. Some of you are just coming back to God, and some of you are begging for deliverance as you find the strength and the power and the boldness and the faithfulness to let something go and let God take it and take care of that storm. And I want to pray over just even you today and your hands. Would you, if, if one of those things describes you, would you raise your hand? I just want to just pray over you in this space, in this room, and just keep them up. God, like always, we come to you broken, hurting, and God, we just need you in this moment to do what you've always done. And we know you do it. But make us new. Recreate in us. For some of us, a clean heart. God, for some of us, uh, an awakening. And God, for some of us, just a deliverance, a refreshment, a renewal. God, thank you for being so powerful that your grand redemptive story is continuing to be weaved in the midst of our own lives here now in this moment. That you care, you love us, and you are with us. You can put your hands down. There's someone in, in, in here today, I really believe, that needs to experience salvation and deliverance maybe for the first time. Maybe your life you felt like is, is continually headed west when you know there's, you don't think there's an east. 
and you're, you're just on your way to a dead end. You don't know what that looks like. And you just continue to run and battle these storms by yourself and lose pieces of you on the way because you've got to bail them out. And you're crying out to all these different gods just like they did. God, something works. Something's out there. This thing has to work. And what you need to understand is there is one true living God that loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus for you. Someone in here needs to hear that today. That Jesus was given to you. You. And you need to know that and understand that. Maybe today, just like those men on the boat, you need to receive salvation, deliverance, and say, hey, I need you to tackle the storms of my life. I need some direction. I need to go with you where you're taking with me because you're in charge of it. You're in charge of the ride. I need you to make my dead end alive. There's somebody in here today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to celebrate. If you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time and say you, not me, would you raise your hand so I can pray over you? So God, we celebrate with you. Thank you for being just a God that's so powerful over the heavens, over the seas, over the earth, over us, that you created us in your image, that you love us so much that you continually come after us. You're not just waiting. God, thank you for the powerful things that only you can do. May we leave this place with uh, extra hope and joy, not just happiness in who you are and what we have. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.